Left. Right. Hi there, and welcome to episode 45 of Sip Talk. Today, we're talking about yesterday. We're actually talking about 20 years ago yesterday. So it's the year 2020, we're talking about the year 2000, and what has changed. And man, oh man, the hell the last changed. Um, on that note, I'm going to invite you to listen to the rest of the episode and make any comments. Let me know some of the biggest things for you that have changed over the last 20 years. Enjoy. This is Sip Talk. Grab a drink and enjoy. Cheers. 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 Welcome to Sip Talk, episode 45. James has a great topic he wants to talk about. I think it's going to be pretty cool. This is 45, right? Yeah. We are 45. What, uh, what are you drinking down there? Sticking with the Milwaukee's best ice for right now, probably going to switch it up to whiskey about halfway through once the, the beer runs out. Smart move. I got a blue moon, and you've got an old fashioned. He's got a, he's got a sort of fashion. One of my favorite drinks when, when I had um, bourbon on hand regularly would be basically a quick old fashioned, which would really just be whiskey and orange bitters so and you, you're kind of i brought this yeah so orange so bitters. let me do a quick orange bit so you're doing you're doing one of my favorite drinks we got james of bosnia boswell uh philosopher accountant referee and bartender we got andreas battaglia here also part-time bartender part-time philosopher um so let's get into it. Here's this topic. We've got what has changed since the year 2000. And that's coming at you 20 years later in the future, in the present. Um, we're all 20 years older. Um, so I'm going to let you lead on this one because your idea. I got my own notes I've taken this afternoon. But I'm curious what foot you want to start off on. Well, the thought entered my mind today about just how... So like my company is currently in the process of changing over a whole bunch of different softwares or opening a new office. And there's a lot of new software programs that, that we've had to learn in the last couple of months. And I was just thinking like with all this change and everything, how, how, how different it must be to be growing up today, both in the 20, like the weirdness that is 2020 plus even before 2020, just, I'm 20 years out from having like really adolescence and I don't know how it is for kids to grow up these days. I've got a couple ideas, but I was just thinking what's changed in the last 20 years. What are some of the biggest differences? What are some of these things that you might not necessarily think about, but have really had a really had just a big impact on lives that you might not think about. Well, you know, we, we've witnessed, just, just an idea, is we've witnessed cell phones and communication technology from the very beginning to what it is now. And it was new when it first came out. So cell phones were a totally new object. 
So if somebody, you know, so, suddenly invented like the, uh, I don't know, think of some made up technology, like the transporter device where like you can, uh, I can't. Star Trek? But no, like something that like you'd never heard of before, obviously communication device, a transporter device, but it didn't exist three months prior. Um, but what I'm saying is the kids now are born into the evolutionary period of, of what's already going on. So how old were you when you got your first cell phone? I think I was probably, so I was thinking about it. I, uh, I pulled out this Motorola V60. I don't know if you can see this. I happen to have it behind my desk. This came out, I think 2001. So not even 20 years prior. And this was not, I don't think this was my first one, but it was a very stylish phone because it's got this metal case that pops on and off and then there's a battery inside. It is pretty stylish. small. And it's small, yeah. I was always a big fan of a smaller phone because it was less to carry. Um, but yeah, that's, that's 2001. So I must've been like 16 years old. But that I remember cool. driving. I remember driving out to, um, I think it was your your friend Scott who we bought the phone from, and it was like the Walmart out in like Rotterdam or something. Oh, we drove to a pop ups shop in a in a yeah, in a and I, that would have it. You would have had to have been either sixteen or seventeen. Yeah, uh, and so before that, like, so like just imagine go like going back to a world where. If you needed to reach somebody, you had to hope that they were home. <laughs> well, we, but, well, think about that. Actually, hang on. I, 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 let me, and I, I want to get there one second. We had a cell phone that was passed between family members prior to that. So whoever was leaving the house for whatever reason on an excursion could take that phone. But you're right to contact someone before well, that. I would say that even that, you, like your family was kind of advanced in that regard. Like not every family had a cell phone, let alone a cell phone for every person. <laughs> I mean, th th yeah. I mean, remember like when your house had one TV? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's and now people have screens in every room and an iPad, but TV was the only visual interface that you had uh, in the home that was, that was electronic. But yeah, if I wanted to get a hold of you, I would have had to call your house and hope that you were there. Or were you guys, when you started dating these people back in, when you were 17, 16, uh, you had to call the landline and hope that the girl that you were calling, the person that you were That's calling, true. Yeah. would pick up the phone and not, you know. Not their parents. parents. Yeah, not the parents, exactly. Because otherwise you'll be like, um, no, sorry, wrong number. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, well, that's, that's, so let's, let's, let's leap quick off of the communication part, but the dating thing has changed an insane amount too. Now, back then you didn't have it. You know, I think it's definitely connected to the, the, the communication changes though. Like we can't, you can't separate them two out. No, no. But, but now you, you're able to connect a lot more. So you feel you have a lot more options. People back then, you find basically the most attractive person who is somewhat attracted to you or, you know, over that. You, you hope they're attracted to you and you pursue them. Um, now, yeah, but how are you meeting these people? Well, that's like the, you, you, the most attractive person you can find. Uh, but like, 
in, in your day to day, just what you happen to bumble into. It's it's proximity and propinquity is is what it is. And you have to be a lot of yep. because you also have to talk to their friends in order for you to get into their circle. You know, you you, you develop more skills about talking to people, not not just people that you want to have a relationship uh, with, but other people surrounding that circle of that person. So I think you had like more and I think personally, you, you had more um, knowledge of what, you know, talking to people is like. Well, or yeah, like you had to have social skills. Yeah, social so, skills. Social skills were definitely a hell of a lot better back then because they they had it forced you to yeah to, yeah. I mean, you you weren't gonna uh, if your social skills didn't develop, you weren't gonna meet anybody. You weren't gonna meet new friends. Um, you know, you, you there wasn't the internet, and well, you didn't yeah. have any. There was nowhere. There was nowhere to hide. Well, also, I was thinking about this earlier. We had. You know, from 1995 or so and so on, which is only five years prior to what we're talking about, we had AOL and we had Instant Messenger. So we had these communication. Uh, we had we had the ability to communicate on the computer. But think about this: there was a whole idea of choosing when or when not you were available when you were online. So you still have some things like Facebook Messenger or WhatsApp where you can put available or busy or whatever, but you're still getting the messages. You know, you're still, you're still getting them in real time. So and people can text you yeah. and call you and reach you anywhere, almost anywhere in the world. Well, yeah, but then when you- and at, at its beginning with that, AOL. You have to wait for people to be online so you can text to each other. Because if the other right. person wasn't available, you couldn't send them a message. Yeah. Yeah, it's beginning with AOL. Like there was, there would be times that you would expect people to be online or whatever. But a lot, like at, at its inception, it was dial-up. So you you would be tying up the family's <laughs> phone line. Yeah, you'd be tying be up. You'd be tying up the, the main internet. line, the main line of communication between your entire family. And now, uh, some families would have a separate phone line specifically for the computer. Do, do you? But remember, it wasn't until like the early to mid two thousands that the concept of like broadband internet and using cable internet ever even really <laughs> took hold but do you remember online gaming and someone would pick up the phone or even being in a conversation with somebody i remember like talking to girls online and somebody would pick up the phone and i would feel like my fucking world had ended because yeah because you I, got disconnected i'm like i made that opportunity may never present itself again um and you know never mind the fact that she was in Chicago and you were in albany new york and you didn't have a car uh <laughs> true yeah um but yeah in 2000 in 2000 uh yeah i had a car a year later basically but we couldn't go anywhere unless it was on bicycle think about gps like i drive yeah, it's a long bike ride to chicago I, I don't understand how my father used to drive without any gps he knew the roads back in ecuador of course uh but like i i don't know how to drive without a gps i was driving on tuesday a friend of mine to uh brooklyn and I was like, I, I give me the, the, the address so I can put it on my uh, Google Maps and I can get there. And he was like, no, it's easy. Just go straight and then do a left and then I'll tell you how to get there. And I was like, no, I'm going to get lost because I, I just can't be like, okay, now do a left or get out on that exit. No, I well, need the. Uh... Well, I think what's going to happen, and I think it's already happening, is the idea of being lost will disappear. 
because as long as you have some type of cell phone or watch that's connected, you're going to be connected and you'll be pinpointed and you will always have the infrastructure around you to know exactly where you are. Speaking of technology as well, so now, do you buy a watch for a luxury purpose or to have it on you or do you just forget about the watch? Because the only reason why you get a watch is so you can watch the time. But now that you have an iPhone or whatever device that you have, you have time in there. So watches are now obsolete unless you want them to, I don't know, for fashion purposes or whatever. Yeah. Um, a lot of watch manufacturers actually saw their sales drop pretty precipitously as cell phones really took hold with the exception of like the ultra luxury ones where you buy the watch as a status symbol. Do you still wear a regular watch? I wear a Garmin watch that like um, I haven't had leave my wrist for about three years now, but that's because it tracks my heart rate and other stuff. So what's and, the primary purpose of it though? Um, I like wearing it so that I have basically my vitals on record for like whenever I upload um, like my bike rides and runs and everything like that. It also uploads just its passive monitoring of my heart rate and everything. Mm -hmm. So if I ever wanted to just kind of look and see what the patterns are with my heart rate, I can do that. It's also nice like kind of see how am I feeling today and then see how that matches up with the actual data. So I, I like having my heart rate available 24 hours a day. I, I agree completely. I recently started wearing mine to bed. I, they just came out with the sleep feature. Um, and I tracked uh, the last two nights worth of sleep. And I really, I want to see like if I'm having a crap day, if I can go back and look at my, uh, my sleep history for the night before and see how much movement there was. Yeah. The next one I buy is going to have like a pulse ox feature too. So like, not only am I going to have heart rate data, but I'm also going to have like blood oxygen saturation data that I can have, which is like a press of a button. That I, I really think, I think that's going to be very, very cool actually. Um, explain how the blood oxygenation level uh, is affected and, and what it shows. You could probably do that better than I. Yeah. And also how does it work? Yeah. Well, the way it works, I can explain much better than what the data is valuable for. But the way it works is very much the same way that the um, wrist-based heart rate works, which is you'll have a light at a certain frequency that can kind of pick, like, that happens to reflect, like, your veins pretty well. So you'll have a, a bright light that shines into your wrist, and, like, you can kind of see it. Oh, like, it doesn't illuminate, but, like, there's, like, a bright green light here, and then it shines on my wrist. And then apparently whatever frequency that is, it picks up and either visually or something, there's another little micro camera or sensor that picks up my heart rate. And so pulse ox is that same idea, just with more advanced technology to be able to figure out not only your heart rate, but like the, the saturation of oxygen in your blood. And I'm guessing that it has to be like more desaturated. Your blood is the different color. It is on some spectral quantity, but um, like the, the main thing that you've been hearing pulse ox being used for recently actually is for like COVID patients. Yeah. So like if you've got decreased lung function, then you're going to have less oxygen in your body. And if that gets below a certain amount, you die. Um, but it's also really heavily used in athletics to be able to figure out whether or not you're perform like whether you're above or below your lactate threshold. 
and your lactate threshold is basically going to be, well, if you're below your lactate threshold, that's pretty much an endurance pace that you should be able to carry on pretty much indefinitely as long as you have the calories in your body, like your liver's glycogen supply yeah. to, to, per, to perform. Whereas if you're above your FTP, that's going to be something where your muscles are switching from aerobic to anaerobic um, metabolism. And aerobic metabolism is endurance. That means that you're basically burning oxygen and um, glucose to make energy. If you switch to an anaerobic, you're no longer using oxygen. And one of the byproducts, one of the byproducts of anaerobic respiration is lactate, um, lactic acid. And if, so I guess if you're exercising, and I haven't had a chance to exercise with pulse ox data, but my guess is that if you get above your FTP, then you're going to build up lactic acid in your muscles and that directly damages the muscles, which for future development in some in limited quantities is good because it breaks down the muscle a little bit and causes it to over two or three more days when you recover, like it'll come, come back stronger. That's the soreness that you feel after a workout. But in the middle of exercise, if you're above your FTP, anaerobic um, effort can only be sustained for a short period of time, um, depending on the athlete between, well, I'd say, five and maybe 20 minutes. But that's also the soreness you feel, not just after, but while you're working out, especially with resistance training and weight training. Well, when you feel the burn, yeah. that's very much your, your anaerobic. That's going to be on the high end of anaerobic because then when you get above anaerobic, you get into like neuromuscular respiration. And that would be like neuromuscular would be if you're doing a hundred yard dash, that's beyond anaerobic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so outside, yeah. And also pretty soon we're going to be able to monitor pretty soon. We're going to be able to monitor all of our health functions. I feel like, but 20 years ago, I feel like people didn't give a shit 20 years ago, to be honest with you. Like, unless something was failing, People didn't give a shit. Like you didn't give a shit what your heart rate was unless you were like a professional athlete. Or how you are you going to measure it? But exactly. How yeah. are you going to reasonably measure, measure it? Besides, either measure like, like counting on your wrist, and yeah. Like and, and yeah, either that, or you'd have to have like an expensive device that yeah. really wasn't found outside of doctors' offices. Well, I mean, I, I yeah. calculate my heart rate all, not all the time, but here and there when I want to figure out my my heart rate is. I look at a clock, you know, even though we barely have any analog clocks around these days. Um, but I, my watch is actually an analog, even though it's a digital. Fucking well, watch. yeah, but does your watch tell you your heart rate? It does. Yeah, I'm at I'm at fifty seven. That's not bad. Just see it here. I'm at sixty eight. Um, but uh, all right. So that I want I want to touch on that. Now we pay attention to all this shit. And I read an article recently about how the ring doorbells is kind of sowing fear into the suburbs. Let me ask you a question. When your parents go to work, when they went to work, did they, did they think at any point during the day, how safe is my house doing? Is someone breaking? We didn't even lock the house. Exactly. We, we didn't either growing up. One time we left, we went away for 10 days and we left the garage doors open. One of them. Um, yeah. But we didn't, you didn't think about it. Now with Ring or with these uh, Nest cams and things like that, you're getting constant notifications of movement. You're constantly checking in going, hey, what, what's going on over here? 
Um, but yeah, it's it, probably it, just the mailman dropping off something, which is nor. But it increases your paranoia. Um, and the same way social media does. Sure, but, does but now I'm saying, but now I'm saying that you're afraid, and you and you have this I, increase in fear, which I, I feel like yeah. growing into this fear culture, this fear society, where people are afraid of everything. They have no tolerance. They're every everybody gets shook. And I bet you guys, at some point, when you were about to post something in any social media platform, you double think about, well, should I post this? And if I post this, will this affect me in the next five, six years? Because, you know, the culture keeps changing every single year and it keeps going faster and faster. What it used to be okay 10 years ago, it's now not okay. It's bad and, you know, you can well, be asked 20 years ago? 20 years ago, the concept of social media didn't exist. Yeah. Not, yeah. not even like an inkling of it. Um, and I, th I think that that's probably one of the biggest changes. This is all, a lot of this is about communication and availability of data. But yeah, 20 years ago, if you wanted to know what somebody was doing, you would have to talk to them. Yeah, exactly. Now, or you would have to ask somebody who knew them and say, "Hey, uh, what was Justin up to last weekend?" But like, you'd have to make an active inquiry to somebody else, and they would have to tell you. They would have to have specific knowledge of the situation. Exactly, and that's another Whereas, knowledge. For example, if you back then when you needed to know something about, I don't know, organ failure or anything related to health, you will go to a doctor, and the doctor will tell you, "Listen, I went to school for a certain amount of time. I know what I'm talking about." Now you can just or you'd have to go to the library and actually look at books. Yeah, but a lot of people used to do that, and therefore knowledge was something beautiful, something nice. Now you have CDMD or any kind of person that can answer your questions online, and you're like, okay, if you go to CDMD, you're like, hey, I have these symptoms. What's going on? 90% of the times they tell you it's cancer. So you keep freaking out about these things because there's so much uh, information out there. Well, that's and, that's why an actual doctor helps with that. But all, no, you know, I, I think I think social media has really downgraded relationships. Um, yeah. Which, you know, typically, and this goes for you and I, especially James. You know, now that we're doing this regular podcast, we see each other a lot more often. But typically, when we see each other, it's you know, for the last decade or so, and we see each other, we have so much catching up to do. And it's really almost like a special treat. And our friendship is still there. And it's still very strong. But we don't you're not on social media. We don't I mean, that like I said, now, obviously, we talk a few times a week. But um, but I feel like it's a stronger bond of a relationship. And now people have more friends, but actually fewer tight strong relationships and back then i think people had less friends but a greater number of tight relationships yeah we're empathetic we actually need to go through certain processes certain uh experiences together to actually develop that charisma for people you only feel uh charisma or empathy to your family but after that you will not be able to put your hands on fire for someone that you barely know so back then, before technology existed, we, you know, used to go out, play with random people, and then that random person became a friend, and then eventually that friend became a best friend, and then out of the sudden, you considered that person a brother from another mother, 
or someone that is very close to you, unlike now where we just, I don't know, if you play video games, you play video games with somebody in Japan, and I don't know, you tag team on this video game, and you feel like, oh, I have a connection with him, but you don't know each other, you don't have that strong connection as we used to do before this whole technology could happen. Well, I think I think that it's really effective relationships. I think that uh, because you're now exposed to so many more people, that the bonds that you have are much weaker. And I think that I think that bleeds into dating. Um, you know, I don't have a whole lot of experience with online dating, but I have some, and I know it's much more fickle than in person, right? Where you meet somebody. You get their phone number. You have to talk to them face to face, which takes some. Bulk. And you have to ask for their phone number. And you got to ask for their phone number, which, I mean, I don't know how people date right now, but it's a hell of a lot easier to send somebody a text or a DM or comment or whatever it is than it is to walk up to somebody in a bar who's glancing at you or who you made eye contact or who hasn't who hasn't even looked your way and you're like, fuck, I gotta, I gotta. Yeah, a straight up cold approach can be terrifying. I gotta figure out a way to like talk. This is a beautiful person. I wanna, wanna engage this person. They haven't even noticed me. How do I make it so it's not fucking creepy and weird? Mm -hmm. And that's why I think, I think that our generation may be the last generation of really super empathetic, super social people. I have another theory though is that this coronavirus the lockdown the quarantine has been a catalyst into people living in vr where people never leave their house they have stuff delivered they just consume food and they sit in front of a tv it doesn't matter if you're in shape you can have cyber sex with your yeah. virtual, you if know. you work from home then why like it, then why would you ever have to leave? Like you can earn your money from home. You can have your groceries delivered. You have your entertainment delivered. Like you know that you know there's a phrase called "phone it in." Yeah, he phoned, he phoned that one love, in. Yeah, I love that phrase. Yeah. Well, now every fucking thing is phoned in, man. <laughs> We're phoning it in right now. It's oh, uh, yeah. this is our half-assed podcast. I don't have you here. You don't have me down there. Um, we're phoning it in, and this is a yeah, I can't come up there. New York will not allow me to come to you. It, like if I if I were to land in the airport, they'd be like, "Yeah, you got to go quarantine for two weeks." All right, cool, thanks. Not necessarily. All right, yeah. I, I want to ask this question going back to the relationships things, and I don't I don't have an answer in mind for for myself. So I want to see what you guys have to say, and I'm going to probably just bounce off of it. But okay. how do you think that the prevalence of social media has changed expectations in relationships? Well, okay. Because I think that I think there's a change. I think that like people expect something different from relationships today than they may have 20 years ago. Well, do you remember? I, do you fact, remember? I'm going to argue. I, I, I'll say for sure that they do, but I don't know exactly what it is. Do you know? Maybe you don't know this, but back in the day, you used to go to a dating service and they would send you VCR cassette tapes. Yeah, you'd have to record a videotape of yourself. And you saying, would have to. Oh, I'm James. Yeah, you'd have to say, you'd have to go in front of the camera, sorry. And you have to say, my name's Justin. Uh, I really don't know what to say right now because this is new for me, but I guess I'm here to describe myself. And what I'd like to say is like, I'm a really fun guy. 
and fuck me in the face like this is you know yeah, i like long walks on the beach and picking flowers for, for but that's, where that, that's where that days. long walks on the beach comes from is probably because it was, I, uh, it was a yeah. you know relatively common thing that people used to say and or i'm gonna do one better for you the personals that were in the classifieds of the newspaper swf looking for like like whatever else like yeah, no, but like I, I will forty-year-old SWF looking for like BWM or whatever it is. I don't know. I don't remember people, the acronym. But, but these like, people, they were in with the times. They they were like, you know, when a new dating app, when fucking Match.com or what 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 are some other ones? Next or not? Next or not? Yeah. Next or not? Yeah. That wasn't I haven't heard of that one. But either way, when these when these new services come along and your first adopters, uh, when when they jump on, those people are really in tune with the times. These people that are filling out the Craigslist and the classified dating things, these are people that are really leading the curve there. And that's a tough, it's a vulnerable place to be. Maybe almost a desperate place. But You're I not answering my question, though. What, what was the no, question? Then, then again, the, the, recent, the, other, the expectations are basically, now, everything that you post on social media is not bad, it's not, you know your real life, everything that you post on social media is like your highlight of that day, whether you went on vacation, whether you met this new person that he is the love of your life and you're posting only the good things, not the fights, not the uh, the, the actual struggle. So you, pull, you put that online and you let these 12, 13, 14 year old kids watch and they imagine or they think that, you know, our relationship should be only good things, like only love and only great things. But they don't see the bad part about our relationship or the, the hidden Fair things enough. on it. It's, I, I, I want to touch on that yeah. in a second. But James, can you just repeat the question real quick? Yeah. Um, in its base form, it would be, how has social media changed expectations and relationships? So what Andreas was touching on, my mom said something to me a long time ago, and it, it, it has a lot of power, actually. But uh, as you know, and I think Andreas knows, nobody's watching this knows, my father died when I was nine. And I got, you know, minus the three years when he was sick before he passed away, I witnessed a great relationship between him and my mom. And my mom has said to me since, maybe when I was like 15, 16, 20, 25, 30, whatever, that she wished that her and my father had argued a little bit in front of you know, basically, she was aware that we as kids only witnessed this perfection of a relationship and that that's not reality. So that landed a lot with me that perception isn't reality. So when you look at somebody's dating profile or when you look at somebody's uh, Instagram or TikTok, if I mean, if, if you were born yesterday, maybe um, you may not, uh, you know, you may not realize there's more than what's on the surface there. But I think now most people have the critical thinking ability to look beyond the photos and the posts. But that's that's tough to do because some people's posts um, are very refined and you would believe that that real life for them isn't that far from what you're seeing online. But but I do think if you're constantly seeing perfection, 
but you have to be forced to live in reality, you may disconnect a little bit with reality. And and it's so easy to lie on social media. You can be the CEO of this company. You can be this and that or whatever. You can lie so much and so easy. And there's no way that you can actually fact check those things up until you get what you want. If your point on dating is just to have sex with someone, you can lie your way into it. I've seen people doing it. And uh you know, it's- I've got like three or four disconnected thoughts that I'm going to try and to get tie together here. All right. Straight I'm going to, I'm going to start here, which is, so before social media was prevalent, if you were having a bad day or a good day or just an average day, you didn't really have too much of a basis for comparison because you were only around a few other people and So even if you had just like an average day or whatever, like chances are the people around you were having an average day. But if you're having a bad day, you'd be like, well, you know what? Yeah, it's a bad day. But like everybody else is like kind of getting along. And even if you're having a great day, you you would be comparing yourself to just like the people that were around you that were all having just kind of an average day. So with social media and being able to look at everybody that you're connected with or whatever, some people have networks of 500, 1,000 plus people. And yeah. so I would say that my average day, pretty good. Like it's not perfect. Like, yeah, I'm at work and, but my average day is decent. But when I, if I were to, like, I'm not on social media, so I don't know how any of these news feeds or anything else work. But if I'm looking at my average day and I'm comparing it to everybody else's day, there's going to be probably out of those thousand people, five or 10 people whose day blew mine out of the water. Yeah, dude. And, a small percent. and that's what the news feed is going to display, is those five or ten people that just had an absurdly good day. And if I have a good day, then there's probably still going to be two or three people out there whose day beat mine. So there now I'm competing against... Two or three people, but this algorithm doesn't show you two or three people. It shows you hundreds of right. people that you don't even right. know. So exactly. So now every one of my days no matter how good it is, is competing against a thousand or more people's other best days. And I'm always going to lose. It's going to take a one in 1000 good day for me to have the best day out there. So it's going to, let me connect this. Let me connect this to relationships. So with that of the, the, the way that social media breeds comparison and the numbers game is always stacked against you. Because as my father always said, there's only one person in the world who can say that they're the best at something. Everybody. So chances are at any point, there is somebody out there who is better than you. And social media pushes that in your face. And I think when it comes to relationships, because you have such a, this, this illusion of choice an illusion of selection it's, it is that, very much an illusion you're right right that you you're comparing your relationship not against other people's average relationships you're only comparing your relationship against the best that's out there that is probably illusory because the people are only representing the good parts but now you've got people that when they look at social media or whatever are going to start developing these unrealistic expectations as to what a relationship should be 
and the partner that they're with, maybe they, maybe they're not perfect physically. I, I, there's not too many people out there that are. Um, but now you're looking and saying, mm, my partner, eh, she could be a little cuter, or mm-hmm. he could be, he could be in a little bit better shape. He could, he could lose a little bit of the gut. And now all of a sudden you're thinking I can do better than who I'm with right now. Mm-hmm. Whereas 20 years ago, instead of looking for something better, you looked for things that made you happy with what you had. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you 110%. You know, I, uh, it's, it's difficult being stuck here in reality, but also we are lucky enough to have remembered only reality. Yeah. Not not this virtual reality, not this ultra contrast with I mean, even the algorithm alone doesn't show you what a thousand of your friends are doing. And a thousand of your friends aren't posting anyway. It shows you the most popular posts of the most popular people. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, over whatever. Amount right. And of if time. you're having a shitty day, chances are you're not going to post about it. So uh, there's already a selection bias where people are only going to post the good shit that happens. So you're already filtering out a whole bunch of the average and boring stuff. But to, to your earlier point, I think that <laughs> the age that you and I are, we are absurdly lucky to have grown up in the exact period of time that we did, where we have enough wherewithal to know what the world was like before this tremendous shift. Well, and that's and that's where, and I've said this before, I'm very, I'm very jealous of your situation not being on social media. My job really demands that I'm connected uh, always, and uh, you know, I, I hope to, I hope to get beyond that point where I don't always need to be connected. But um, but right now with what I do, because I run the company, people depend on me. So, and if I expect to depend on them to, for the company to run, it's only fair that that you know that they can depend on me. So that's definitely that's. I a, think it's possible to do without social media because nah, not a job that I work right now. No, none of this business because then again, you need the more the more exposure you have, the more business you will get. Well, that's, on this business, on this yeah. business specifically. Yeah, but so let me just say, like in the accounting world, and I I have a general theory on this that all jobs and all positions are people positions that there it's extremely rare to find a position where you don't have to have interpersonal skills and in my job very much so yeah like i'm doing numbers and i'm doing taxes i'm doing audits or whatever but how do we get the clients the way we get clients primarily is going to be through word of mouth of other of of current clients that are happy with the work that we do. And for the most part, our clients care much less about whether or not my work is dead on to the penny accurate than they do with my ability to convey concepts to them so that they can understand them and be personable and friendly and give them the information that they need, not waste their time. And even when it comes to working with other businesses that might not be clients. Like I've got a meeting with a banker in a week or so to just talk about, I don't even know what, but it's all about building relationships face-to-face and being able to communicate well. And I think that you can do that without social media. And I've done it for years with that social media, Um, especially when it comes to promotion of the business. This, 
the last year and a half or so, I've talked more about the business. I've been more engaged with social media and that we've gotten, a, it's helped the business vastly. Yeah, and because there's a new generation of people that are leaving college sure, but I, that, but, are born, that were born into technology that, you know. Well, but what James is also saying is that you don't need it. And I'm agreeing, you don't need it. I think. But it's it's like, you know, I, I think it's helpful. You know, there's. It helps a lot. Especially uh, for the future. You have to adapt to this new era of kids. You know, I don't know. I, I'm not even on LinkedIn. Like when it comes to professional stuff, I don't even do LinkedIn. And if I were if I were to ever get a job and they'd say, do you have a link? like an interview? Let's say that my job at like, where I'm at right now ends and I need to look for another one. If they what's your Facebook profile look like? Do you have a LinkedIn? I'd say no and no. Yeah, but, that, I, but that's because you already you belong to the last generation. You don't belong to this 21, 22 year old. Well, James, is, right now. James is 55 years old. I mean, so. I'm not saying that you're. Yeah. Old, As I said, I, like, like I have a deep fear but, that this is going to just evolve into old man yells at cloud. So, no, no, no. no, 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 no but, but you, you have to understand. I want to. I want to. He, he understands. Yeah, trust me. He gets it. Um, a couple of things. One, I want to change the subject. I'm going to pivot on the thing yeah. with the Goose Island. I saw some Goose Island today. I picked that up. Great beer. I was feeling IPA for. Uh, we used to sell that at Sushi Blue. I'm I was, wearing I was, the uh, the old uniform. Yeah, I was I was feeling uh, a little IPA as it's getting cold out. IPA definitely a full beer, and uh, I'll give it to Goose Island. They got a great, uh, really great beer. Uh, their whole line is actually good stuff. Um, you should but, look for some of their sours, like in the in the large yeah. bottles, like Goose Island Halia. I don't think I've had that one. Um, it's a special issue, but so I want to talk about a couple other things. Um, I think we talked. We so so airline security in the year two thousand. That was pre nine eleven. And do you remember what it was like walking into an airport? You might go to the like, <laughs> sorry. If you, I remember flying. I remember we went to Cancun in 2001 in like March. Yeah, pre 9/11. And we didn't even need a passport to go to Mexico. No, yeah, yeah, exactly. Thank you. That's loud. That's what? Um. And so, but also actually, that might have been after 9/11. But like, so the the thing that everyone talks about is like, if you wanted to meet somebody at the airport you could or, or take someone to the airport you could walk to the gate and you could kind of like just sit at the gate and like give them a hug up and as i got 30 plane, seconds before 50, they boarded the plane yeah 50, or if they were getting off the plane yeah you could be at the boarding gate um and the airport security was like you just walk through a metal detector like you you drop your bags they'd go through and they'd look at them and like you'd walk through a metal detector and that was it and like as long as it didn't beep you were good yeah, as long as it didn't beep, <laughs> which is wild. <clears throat> yeah, and there'd be like a meter that you could see on top of it where it would light up a little bit if like you had a belt buckle or something on. Yeah. But like as long as it didn't beep, you you were fine. And then even if it did beep, they would just buzz. Oh, belt buckle. Oh, watch. Bop, bop, bop. And then, you know, now you got people bringing bombs in their fucking shoes and shit, which you know, yeah. Um, so, so yeah, air travel has changed quite a bit. Which is sad, but it also, I don't mind going through all the bullshit. Um, I now I feel, later, though. Yeah, I, no shit. Yeah. Um, but uh, um, 
What drives keep me up this topic. Let me refill my drink. All right. Well, I'll talk to Andres in the meantime. What drives me nuts is when you're pulling up to pick somebody up and they don't let you stop out front. So you just got to keep driving around and around. It'll wait for somebody to come off the plane or off the plane, out of mm. security, pick up their bags and then meet you. And you can't, and it's, it's fucking 200 yards long and you can't say, meet me at label D. You're like, well, you know, I was at D, but now I'm at B. If you're not going to be here in, in 30 seconds, I got to move. I don't know where I'm going to end up next time, which is, which is very frustrating when you're trying to pick somebody up. And it's very frustrating for somebody who you are picking up. I personally don't mind about the fact that they, you know, want to do a whole screening on you. They want to do these new cameras that will see everything on you, you know, naked basically. Well, I don't mind. Like, I don't mind about all those things. So, like, for me, it's if that means that I'm going to travel safety here, and yeah, go for it. Uh, I also understand the fact that, you know, as a person that is going to meet someone, you can't stay in one position only because, you know, like, uh, you look suspicious. And, you know, you. You have to your car is fucking slow, yeah. Yeah, and, I mean, uh, I'm not doing car checks when people come into the fucking airport. Yeah. So, uh, but no, yeah, that, in, it, when we went, it was springtime, James. So it was definitely pre 9 11, no matter what. Uh, I feel I, like it was, I don't know, maybe. I know, we, we always went like April or, or spring break or something like that. Yeah. So, um, uh, but you know, my, uh, my birthday is next week, and I'm being taken to somewhere that I don't know. So I got a, I got a trip planned for my birthday for me. I don't know where I'm going yet. So I don't You're going to find out once you get to the airport? Uh, yeah, that's what it sounds like. So, that, so that's exciting. You know, at some point, you're going to get the boarding pass. You're like, oh, I guess we're going here. Well, I, I may not even get the boarding pass. Now everything's digital, so you can uh, – it's all on the phone. Um, oh, I don't. I refuse to do that. I need a paper boarding pass. I I completely agree with you. And also, like, you got to keep the phone. I mean, you're not a big phone guy, so, uh, but you got to keep the phone like lit up and shit, and you're waiting in line. It fucking sucks. Um, yeah, I so, I really have two identities, which is either sixty year old man or twelve year old boy. Weird, but um, fair enough. Uh, it's like like I'll take joy in like these incredibly childish things, and at the other time, I'm just super old. Um, so my age. So I want to just ask some viewers some questions. Rosh just made a funny comment about the cheese that he smuggled through JFK, which is wild. JFK has to let a lot of shit go because I have smuggled shit from Dominican Republic up here, and that's like avocados, cheese, uh, all sorts of like desserts and shit. Yeah, in Florida, literally, there was a. Uh, um because someone from China brought oranges from China mm -hmm. and the, the seeds actually contaminated the, the rest of the uh, oranges in Florida. So they had to, you know, get rid of all those uh, oranges in Florida for, I don't know, a period of two to three years, there was a scare, uh, scare so, uh, the, the, the Chinese uh, effect on the Florida oranges. But, um, uh, fuck, I totally forgot my train of thought there. Uh, but yeah, yeah, Rosh is, is talking about uh, the cheese, yeah. about the cheese. Small from uh, Dominican Republic. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> but definitely uh, airline security, fuel. Speaking of travel, fuel. Uh, I looked it up, and the fuel cost in two thousand was about a dollar fifty. Okay, just that for inflation. Um, what do you mean adjusted for inflation? 
well, what was it? Inflation calculator. I'm just going to do it for you. It depends, it depends on the year that you're But no, in, in the year 2000, what did you pay per gallon? I'm per, I remember. You might be paying the exact same price or probably cheaper adjusted for inflation on 2020. Because in 2020, Why are we adjusting? So, adjusted because a dollar fifty in two thousand is worth more than a dollar fifty in twenty twenty. Yeah. Worth. Okay. Yeah. 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 It's worth That's more. Just right. So a dollar so fifty in in two thousand would be worth two dollars and twenty six cents. Yeah, but what? And then what is fuel now? Because I got about um, about two ten. What is it down there? Uh, that's a good question. I'm uh, probably in like the low twos. I mean, by my apartment, it's four ninety nine a gallon, which is fucking nuts. Somewhere uptown is two seventy five to three fifty. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. There's in Manhattan. There's not a lot of gas station. No. Which is wild. You just see him being fucking paved over left and right. Um, I'm looking it up right now because I haven't fu- fill, filled up my tank in like a week. Jail. Where is where is it? Uh, About two Miami. bucks. Two fifty-seven, two bucks where you are. I'm looking right now. It's probably yeah, like right around two dollars a gallon. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah, we're we're a little over two. Uh, what what is this? A dollar nineteen in Texas. Um, Less so, than two dollars a gallon. I uh, could fill up right now if I wanted to for like a buck eighty-one. Wow, wow. So that's actually gas is actually cheaper now than it was in two thousand when you adjust for inflation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got one for you. Um, physically printed photos. We had loads of them in 2000. When was the last time you held a physically printed photo? Well, held it? I don't know. Maybe within the last month or two. But really? Yeah. When was I, the last time that like you got photos printed off for you at like the pharmacy or something? Taken from an iPhone, ordered online, physically printed photos to have framed this week, actually. Um, okay. Well, then, then you're weird. But um, but yeah, we so so in the year 2000, physical photos. Film was basically disappearing. We had not in two thousand. Yeah, we had in in two thousand. We had a lot more digital cameras, but they were just coming out. But the digital the digital cameras, people were still taking that information to the photo centers like uh, CVS or Rite Aid and having them printed. So we were transitioning from film to digital, but we were still printing the photos. Yeah, but uh, even then, even in the early 2000s, like the digital cameras were in a very early state where the quality was pretty terrible unless you spent like well over $1,000 for a camera. Yeah, yeah, and the camera prices were were, were wild. You're getting those kind like, of pocket pocket cameras were, I don't know. Yeah, the, the cell phone, the, the, whatever camera you have in your cell phone today, blows any digital camera from the year 2002 out of the water and it's not even it, it blows Unless you're talking about like a 10 or twenty thousand dollar camera in 2000 yeah now it blows most cameras from four years ago out of the water the ones on yourself not the digital what? cameras like a, a, a decent digital camera of like in the one to two thousand dollar range four years ago is still way better than anything on a cell phone well I, I, i'll actually say i have a uh what is it called the canon uh 5d yeah but then again yeah that canon 5d is a good camera yeah you take pictures on a digital camera and then you know you want to upload them to instagram because that's the platform that you upload pictures on instagram itself will reduce the uh the the, uh 
what do you call this in the uh, pixels or something. the pixels and everything yeah. so everyone regardless of how good your camera is is going to look the same as if you take it on an well, iphone well no, that's on, not, uh, that's, not that, that's not exactly true but i will tell you that the ones i take on a canon are way better than anything i can take on the iphone 11 pro um there's there's no way to compare but yeah but if you show it on a regular screen from that camera it will look a lot better than if you show it from instagram true true because yeah, yeah instagram's got to deal with all the files yeah, yeah but uh, well the thing is the canon d is going to be taking raw images so you have to have skill to be able to make them look better but with skill like the, the camera itself in terms of its sensors and everything else is better than what you have in an iPhone. But the iPhone has software already built into it that's going to do a lot of the work that you would have to do on the back end with a professional camera setup. And I say this not as someone who has experience with it himself, but my brother worked at a camera studio for like two years and he, he's forgotten more about digital photography and photography in general than I'll ever know. But I know enough to say that like digital cameras, like the professional quality, like a Canon 5D, close to professional quality. Those are way better than what you have in your cell phone. But they still leave a lot of the work on the post-processing side undone, whereas the Instagram filters and even whatever filters Apple or Google or Android or whatever has installed going to do a lot of that work on the back end for you. Um, yeah. That's the reason why there's more photographers now that they think that they're like, the coolest thing and it's not because they take good pictures it's because they know how to use their you know their it reminds me of uh, a quote from a blog that i will not mention that said that um photography is like chick crack <laughs> oh uh yeah i don't know it's interesting but uh but crack is a not a good drug so and if i didn't know so I see where you're going with that. I'm I'm not I'm not gonna I'm not gonna keep I'm not gonna keep going. No, I don't want to engage on that. It's just like I have to say that quote because no, it just jumped saying, in. Now everybody, everyone at least thinks that they're a good photographer, but they, at the end they just know how to use the software of every single platform like Instagram, like Google, like Apple, and they know how to yeah. speak certain things to but, look a lot better when they're actually not taking the steps that are right. in the two thousand to do yeah if you're well even even today like if you're a professional photographer right now and you're taking pictures with your like five thousand dollar body and fifteen thousand dollar lens or whatever when you get back to the studio you're going to be dropping all those like onto your onto your work computer and you're going to be using software like adobe lightroom and adobe photoshop or whatever and you're going to be doing light touches on the on the post processing to get the lighting and the balance and the contrast and everything right and you're going to be able, if you've got the training, you're going to be able to do a better job than what the Instagram filter does. But it requires a lot of training to be able to use those programs and know how to use them properly. Whereas the Instagram thing kind of just gives you a leg up mm -hmm. for most amateurs. Yeah, but then again, if you're an amateur, you can become a master on it in like literally a month or three based on YouTube uh, reviews or YouTube uh, tutorials. You know, it's not like um, back in the day in the 2000s where, like, if you wanted to be a good photographer, you have to go to but, school. But, but no, hold on, though. The issue, the, the real issue is just you have a film. You can push a button. Yeah. It's going to do shit that it's going to, that it's going to take Make you. It look better. Yeah. Like, lots, to, of, lots of training and practice to. Yeah, because, like, when my brother is working at the photo studio in Charleston, it was a photo studio that did a, did a lot of business, a lot of wedding photography or whatever else. And my brother 
came into that job thinking he knew his shit. He knew how to, he knew about angles. He knew about how to use Photoshop. He knew, he knew how to use all the programs for the post-processing and everything. He's like, I got this. And after about two or three weeks, he's like, I have so much to learn because like in both in terms of like the framing, the setup, getting the lighting properly and everything when you're actually taking the picture and then back to the studio and doing the pro the post-processing with, with Lightroom or whatever else. He's like, even after six or nine months, he was like, I still have so much to learn about how to do this properly. But that's, the, that's the step from going from kind of hobbyist and enthusiast amateur to, I do this for a living and I'm an expert in it. But what, the th what Instagram and all these filters and stuff do is let's say on a one to 10 scale with like, I'd say my brother probably made it to like a seven or an eight in terms of proficiency with his boss being a nine or a nine and a half. What, and doing nothing would have been a one. What these Instagram filters do is they immediately bump you up to a four or a five. Yeah, with no I, yeah exactly. I, I agree. So, and, and I think that's, I think that's, I think we can all kind of agree on that. Um, but I want to know, I want to know, I want to dig a little deeper 20 years before now, 20 years later now. 20 years are, future. 20 years future, yeah. From then. Um, what has changed? What else has changed? Uh, you know, outside of the photography and the porn business. Well, I actually no, I, I wanna I wanna get your guys' opinion. Like, so so much has changed in the last 20 years. Yeah. What happens in the next 20? What predictions do you have for how things are going to continue to evolve? The fashion industry definitely is going to change. Well, You're no longer going to need to go to a store to actually get, uh, you know, a pair of uh, well-fitted uh, jeans, well-fitted t-shirts. Because right now there are a lot of uh, companies like Zara, like, uh, I don't know, Uniqlo, that you will download the app, you will put the uh, camera on, and you can just stay there and the app will literally uh, scan you and be like, okay, this is your size. You're a small, you're a medium, you're a large, whatever, whatever, whatever. Uh, and you know, you no longer need to have that contact with somebody like, I bet that in the 2000s, if you needed to get a shirt or, you know, you have to go so, to the store and talk to someone that knows about it to be like, listen, this is, uh, I need a suit for a certain location. So here's, here's, here's what I think is gonna change. And I think, you know, I think it took a long, long time. You know, we've been using the same headphone plug for like 50 years. Um, so we've been using this headphone plug for 50 years. A 3.5 uh, millimeter? Yeah, and it just changed two or three years ago. And now we're doing everything wireless. But like that, we went from a plug, we didn't upgrade the plug, we didn't change the plug, we got rid of it. Almost every, you're using one right now but it's it's this is well this is usb this is this is through okay. usb although actually it, it's um two 3.5 millimeter jacks that plug into a little port that goes to usb so yeah okay um so but yes 3.5 millimeter i guess i think we're gonna see some major changes maybe that you're not quite ready for like you're not expecting i wouldn't have expected that the audio jack was gonna go fully wireless i thought we might have upgraded this a little bit for maybe better sound what I, I don't know you know have you guys seen you guys seen black mirror there's this episode called white christmas i don't know if you've seen it white christmas white christmas 
I've seen them all, but I, you, you so White Christmas. The thing is that uh, you know we have Alexa, or you talk to it. We have Siri, we have uh, Google, whatever, and you talk to it, and based on their uh, AI, you get the feedback. Now on White Christmas, there's this thing called the cookie, where they implant something on your brain for one week, and it will copy everything that you want, everything that you know, everything that you are as a human being, and then they will extract that out of your head and place it on a cookie or an Alexa, uh, Siri, or uh, Google, whatever. And basically, that person knows you, who you are, what you want, or what time do you have to do things and whatever. And it will be a lot more efficient if you transition into a smart house, for example. You know, what time do you have to wake up? Or what time do you I, need I, to go? I, I remember this. We're, we're going we're gonna to forego the synapses. I think that's going to happen in the next 20 the, years. The synapses. Of, well, I, yeah. but, but I think we're going to see some major jumps that we weren't ready for. So yeah, what I'm fine, saying, what I'm, I, don't, I don't think we're going to. What are those jumps? But I think, I think with shipping, I think we're going to see. I was in Sweden, and you know, like in the city, we have garbage on every street corner, and people come and they pick it up in a truck, and they drive it away, and it's messy, and there's fucking garbage slime and shit all over the place. In Sweden, you have gar public garbage cans. And what they do is they compact the garbage into a shape and then it drops down underground into a vacuum chute and it all gets sent to wherever. Uh, that's so, what's that? That's cool. I've never heard of this before. I would never have been able to conceive that, but boom, I go to Sweden and that's a thing. So I think that it's we're going to see what's that? It's a good system. Well, imagine if we get into shipping like that. Right now, you have phone lines underground, and you have sewer, and you have water, and you have gas underground. But what if the next biggest thing is in your major cities? I mean, New York City would be so easy. You get the fucking subway anyways. It would be so easy to create a channel underground, a vacuum sealed chamber for shipping. I, I think, I think you're wrong. But you're close, and here's where I, I, you're I, wrong. I think drones, very drones, that's in the, that's the future. Drones. I think there's a very high probability, but all right. So Andres, yeah, Andres is Andres has already caught me on this, yeah. which is I think you're wrong, but you're close. You went the wrong direction. You went below ground. I think that what we're gonna see is as battery technology improves and yeah. as AI improves, you're gonna start seeing a lot more drone deliveries where UPS, Amazon, FedEx, USPS, they're going to start being able to have, they're going to have a port on the top of a building or whatever, and you're going to be able to have a drone just kind of dock with that port and drop off its package, and then the delivery is made. Yeah. Automated, automated delivery, but not underground, because that's expensive. That's a lot of infrastructure. Yeah. Whereas with drones, not sure. so much. Sure, fair is free. Fair enough, but but so maybe maybe you're undercutting what I'm saying. I think I think that's where it would go underground. Think about buildings. They you know. I said you were wrong, but you're sure now. But think about think about buildings and electric supply. Uh, I don't know about the house you grew up in. Did they have did they have wires that went from the street to your house? No, there were telephone poles and there was a line of electricity and telephone wire that ran from the pole to our house. Ours was underground. 
We, uh, well, we, ours we, was not. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. I think, and then you look at, when was the last time you saw Powerline in New York City? Not here. So I, I, I think that Underground is going to, I think Underground is just better than in the air. No, it requires density of population. I mean, it's, it's, and it's more expensive because regardless of the infrastructure, you still need to invest more money to sure, actually sure. change the- Right. But I at a certain think- population density, the, the inflection point hits, it makes sense to put everything underground. That's right. When you've got people more spread out, because like, so, so that's in the apartment go complex affluent, that I'm in, it's going to go to affluent places first, of course, and then and then slowly it'll you know over the next decade after that it'll trickle out to the greater I mean, suburbs. I think it will take, so because every single uh you know building has a platform. Where but, uh, what I'm getting at, what I'm getting at though is there's going to be so much cost from UPS, FedEx, DHL, USPS that okay. somebody's going to undercut because we're not going to go to retail stores anymore. So someone's going to undercut that and they're going to do this, that, or the next. Uh, yeah, but it's a lot cheaper. From my point of view, at least, I think that it's a lot cheaper to do platforms on every rooftop and, you know, have uh, drawn land in it. And that way you can also protect your packages because if you live at the entrance of every uh, every building, there's a lot of people that are not right now are stealing your packages. But if you leave it on top of your building, you know, you, you are the only one that has the key. Sure, the but uh, okay, so that may happen before what I'm saying will happen, but I, I don't imagine we're going to have these drones flying around I believe for the next 20 years. I think we might it may happen in the next five or six, but I don't think in 20 years from now mm-hmm. it's going to happen. Um, no. Because again, it for, for certain small areas, sure. But I think that the air is free, and drones don't cost very much. And well, to build I, up the infrastructure, yeah, good point though. Uh, the air is free right now. Underground used to be free, you know, for a long time. The ground underground may. St- yeah, but the thing, underground was never free because property rights generally extend below ground, but not too far above ground. And so even if even if we were to say that property rights don't extend below ground, it costs a lot of money to dig a fucking tunnel and then put the infrastructure. infrastructure. And the time, and the but of time it costs nothing. Once you have a drone, it costs nothing to fly it. The only thing that you have to invest on a drone is the battery efficiency. That's the only right. thing you need to invest on, basically. Nothing else. You know, no, Andres is completely right you on this. You don't need to build, all right. you know, all right. so, like then, so then, so then, then the most that you have to pay probably eventually once they realize, once the government realizes that, okay, we're losing money on drones, there'll be like attacks on airspace. Well, what I'm saying is that I think the transportation, the shipping industry is going to make some major changes yeah. because we're taxing. The demand for that very heavily right now. There's so much. There's so much demand for that right now. We're really taxing that system. So I think when you don't go to stores anymore and you can try on fucking 15 different things and send 14 different things back, um, I think that's going to be a lot of stress in that industry. And and they're going to. I think there's going to be some demand for more efficient shipping. That's that. What uh? What are you guys thinking? You're I don't gonna... think you need to return 14 things at once because there are right, well, technology that's improved. You know, you're gonna get your measurements well done on a camera that is, you know, scanning you left and right, so it knows your measurement, it knows and let's right, right. so move on from this topic. We've talked it to death. All right. What about relationships? 
how is dating and 20 years from now and yeah 20 years from now how is dating going to be different virtual sex baby that's where we're going to virtual sex virtual dating how how is that a substitute for real thing it is not but at least you know that you can create an avatar because by that by that time you're not going to have the the social skills that we have now because no. those social skills are going to be gone so you will pretend to be someone that you're not you will create an avatar you'll be like okay people are already doing that this Pikachu and this whatever, and we're gonna collide to each other, and then we're gonna see like what we like and whatever, whatever, whatever. That's my thought on it. All right, I have an idea. I have an idea. Let's pause the future talk. Let's bring that up next podcast episode. Not me into it. Okay. Right I am too, but I have so much to say, and we hit the hour mark. So, um, if you guys are watching live and you want to hear more. Going back 20 years, you let me know. We'll stick around for a little bit more. I'll pour another drink. Going, we for, just, going forward 20 years, going forward 20 years. I, topic for another day. I think, I think that's a whole fucking two decades worth of podcast forward. Um, so are you guys down for another little bit of 20 years in the past? Uh, pour, oh, it's, a, pour a drink, pour a drink, stick pour around. Drink. All right. All right. <laughs> pour well, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm getting kind of low too, but um, all right. So, what, what other, what other things from 20 years ago? I'm trying to think about something that was very different 20 years ago versus today, because like I think the oh, biggest oh, things right. are going to be communication and data availability. Well, transportation. Transportation, yeah. And car- transportation's not radically different today than it was 20 years ago. It really isn't. I, I can walk yeah. out of my apartment now and put my hand in the air and get a car. You I could do that 20 it. years ago and you could get a cab. Uh, that's what I'm doing now. But now you got Uber, you got this, that. Right. And that's not radically that. different. I'm agreeing. That's not radically different. It really isn't. But in 20 years, we'll be, because we will not be driving. There will be Tesla. No, we're not talking about 20 years in the future. We're talking about 20 years in the past. 20 years in the past, you could walk out of your apartment and hail a cab you could today. Now, Uber might be slightly cheaper and you might be able to kind of like schedule your ride a little more easily, but I don't think that that's a radical shift. That's a subtle shift on the consumer end on the provider end. It's very different because it's really affected their business model. Right. But consumer end, it's not a huge shift. Um, yeah. So, so transportation. So I don't think uh, uh, miles per gallon has changed that much. Not much, in, no. In 20 years. I mean, 20 years ago, we're not talking 40 years ago, and that hasn't even changed that much. We used to think of these old big boats that were gas guzzlers that got 12 to 18 miles per gallon, and now we have SUVs that get yeah, because 12 to 18 miles per gallon. Yeah. We, right now we have Elon Musk, and probably in the next 20 years, we're going to be colonizing the moon or Mars. Shit, I mean, no. Like that. no, no, no. We're, again, we're not talking about the future. We only get to talk about the past. Um, but yeah, uh, the transportation, we already talked about the GPS and, and just kind of a general sense of direction where like back when, yeah, when I started driving or whatever, I had to know where I was going, like, or I'd have to like look at a map, an actual physical map to figure out where I was going to go because I Google like Maps that. didn't exist. But I also oh. feel like, so it's funny. I can pretty much anywhere I'm at tell you which way is north south east west i know how to do that when i walk 
Not when I drive. And I feel uncomfortable when I don't know where north, south, east, and west are. Now, yeah. I'm you know, pretty good at it when I'm walking, especially in New York. I know where the north is, where the south, where the east, whatever. But when I'm driving, I'm completely lost. But people think I have this weird superpower that I can just come out of nowhere and tell you where north is. It's, no, it's you develop a sense of direction. I had that same thing happen to me in Charleston because when I first moved down here, so I didn't have GPS for like five or six years and I refereed soccer professionally. So like I, even if I was just driving to like a college game or a high school game or whatever, I would look on the map and it'd be like, all right, this is where I need to go and I'd have to get there and I'd do it from memory. And so now whenever I drive somewhere, I'm just like, I know where I'm going. So, and people are like, how do you know that? And I'm like, because I practice it. But when you go back upstate and you have to drive around, do you drive around a lot up back when we go home? When you go home? When I'm in Albany? Yeah, I drive a fair bit because, um, yeah, I'll borrow a car from my parents or my brother or whatever. And do you, do you know where you're going all the time? Most of the time, yeah. I, 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 I very rarely use GPS. Like, I'll look at a map and I'll say, like, even if it's in, like, a residential neighborhood where, like, I might not know the exact street, I know enough. I can get myself to probably within – a mile or a half mile of where I need to be, if not less. Well, it's yeah, no, fair enough. But I, but you, but you know the roads that you're on. Yeah, because I remember a lot of the road names, and I feel like I'm going in the right direction a lot of times. And a lot of times I just go by feel. I think one of the times I came up to your family's house for Christmas, uh, the most recent time, probably like 2016 or something. Um, I went up and, and I just kind of went by feel from where I was coming from. Um, but a lot of it is almost like a muscle memory type type thing. Like, well, it's also just like, if you have a sense of direction, if you've developed it, then there will be times where like, even if you don't know the roads or whatever, you have a general idea as to what direction you're going. One of my proudest moments. So when I first moved down to South Carolina, um, I drove back home for Thanksgiving and then I drove back from home back to South Carolina. And I, on my way back home, I was in Charlotte. I took 81 down, and I ended up in Charlotte. And it was like 10 o'clock in the morning. Um, and traffic was just absolutely insane. Like, all the highways were just fucking gridlock. And I had been driving at that point for about 19 or 20 hours. And I was just exhausted. So I said, you know what? I'm not battling this traffic. I'm just going to take a nap. So I pulled off on the next exit, pulled into a parking lot for like a Walmart, locked the doors and crawled into the back seat, took a nap, woke up two hours later. Traffic was still stupid. So I said, I'm not taking the highways. I'm just going to take random roads. So I started taking random roads and I'm just like, I'm going to go this direction. And when I feel like turning, I'm going to take a turn. And after about 20 or 30 minutes, I ended up, it was, it was one of the most bizarre experiences of my life because I felt like I was in like a different world. Where I, I drove by like a nuclear power plant that, that wow. there was nobody around. And then I ended up on some highway where there was like two cars. And I was just like, I feel like I'm just like the twilight zone here because there was tons of traffic there. And now like I wake up, I just had to take random roads or whatever. And now there's nobody around me. I'm on a different planet, but I, I eventually made it back to where I wanted to go. And but it was because I had a sense of direction of like I want to go in this general way, and the sun's there. It says east. I was just about class. Yes, we're still talking. That's how this is going. So, but yeah, I, that, that, that's, I, I think that's awesome. My only thing is that you sleep in the back seat, which I find a little weird. I never thought about crawling in the back seat to take a nap. I just recline the, the front seat. 
Well, so I had the RSX at the time, so I could actually turn the back seats down, and then I had like uh, a full like six. Yeah, that was a great car. That was a that was a great car. But think about cars twenty years ago. Um, cars twenty years ago are not markedly different from today. Yeah, although yeah. there were no electronic, there were no electric vehicles whatsoever. Now you got tons of them. Yeah, no, they're, they're the. Uh, I'm not a big fan of electric vehicles. I definitely think that's where the future is going, and I, I welcome and I it. it. But I also really well. Enjoy no, I don't welcome it at all, and here's why. Because and you, you will agree with me, Justin. Okay. Uh, where I am like I going with this one? Because you're not huh? you're not shifting. You're not driving a manual transmission. There's no transmission. But if that's exactly it. An electric car that was manual. Would you buy it? If there was an electric vehicle that had a, a stick shift and a clutch yeah. i would buy it yeah um my whole thing and this is this is again this is what makes me an old man is like i don't want a car that is controlled by computers i love the feeling of being of of, of selecting the gear and controlling the engine and deciding when i shift and what the car does i don't <laughs> want the computer controlling what the car does yeah, but that's because you're a good driver. 90% of the people that drive are not good drivers. Sure, but, but driving is driving is something that, like, it's just like eating. Like, some people like to eat good food, and they look forward mm -hmm. to going out to eat. Some people come home, and they put fucking, uh, just, uh, yeah, they eat fucking TV dinner. Yeah, and that, they eat that, percentage, three of them in a night. that percentage is bigger than the percentage that knows how to no. eat and knows how to drive. Most people that, don't. Mo most people see driving as a chore. They don't enjoy the actual act of driving. It's this is something that I've got to do to get to where I need to go. Yeah. Like my room example, he hates driving. He only does it because he needs to get to work or wherever the fuck else he's going. Yeah. And the reason why like is because to me, now you invented an uh, automatic transmission, unlike before, if you kept uh, cars manual and manual only, you are more engaged into driving and you have to pay attention about the fact that you have to change gears, you have to pay attention to the road, you have to pay attention, you just don't have enough time to actually look yeah. at your phone. Now that everything is manual, uh, I mean, automatic, you, you can just look at your phone or whatever, and now you have GPS on your phone and anything. Later on, once we have... Uh, these new Teslas coming out that they're gonna drive themselves. That's yeah, it. Yeah, that, that freaks that, that technology freaks me the fuck out. You will never get me to buy an, a self-driving car. Uh-uh. I just I don't feel I don't feel safe. You don't need to to feel like that you need to buy. You're gonna be forced into buying one because they're not gonna let fuck you drive. all of that. They're not gonna let you drive unless you have an automatic uh you know car. I'll take the tickets. I'll pay the ticket every fucking week. Said that. Well, you're gonna pay a tax on it if you yeah. drive if you're driving a gasoline vehicle. Which mm -hmm. which gas stations, by the way, if like people are investing in, in petroleum, yeah. like that's not a good investment moving forward. We just sold. Don't, no, no absolutely not. Yeah, yeah. I, but I don't I don't think that's gonna be a good investment moving forward. Um, but I, I imagine I imagine we're gonna pay tax on gasoline cars in the future, and I, I imagine think, uh, probably. Uh, Kali, Kali, we're talking about the past, though. We don't get to talk oh, about the future. That's no, no, no. But Kali, Kali just put a law that uh, after 2031, you can no longer sell petrol cars. You have to just only sell you know, electric cars. Fair enough. All right. So, look, I'm going to hit some comments real quick. I want to know what you guys think. I want to know what you guys think has changed over the last 20 years, uh, especially if you're old enough to remember from 2000, the year 2000, to the year 2020, 
what is the biggest difference between then and now? Uh, remember, we're going backwards as a retrospective. We're not going forwards yet. We may talk about that in a future episode. Awesome. I love it. Well. What, are the, what are the people saying right now? Yeah. Um, I love to drive my car. James, text, drive one. Uh, I had no choice but to learn. Online shopping. Online shopping did not exist 20 years ago. That's a really to big a very one. small degree. Very small. eBay still existed out there, but it was like at its very beginnings. Amazon was just beginning. Yeah, I was selling on eBay. To the back. degree that it exists now, no comparison. Ooh. Yeah, no, of course. I was definitely selling on, on on eBay back then, which is funny, but I mean that's just yeah. That's the, there's some stories eBay. there, but we that we can't get into. <laughs> um, communication, online schooling. Yeah, online schooling was definitely not a thing. Definitely the, not no, a thing. there's no way. Uh, Unless you were sick or you had lupus, you had to do online schooling. Yeah, sure. But now, like on the massive scale that we have now. Yeah, but right now it's kind of by necessity. Digital TV. Well, uh, so radio, which is still analog right now, by by actual radio wave. Um, Mm -hmm. And then TV... Uh, TV has changed. You have to have a digital uh, antenna. You yeah. can't have a regular analog antenna. Anymore. You no longer need to have a, a connection. You just need the internet because you have YouTube TV. You have so many programs, so many uh, apps that can give you... I'll be back TV. in a minute. Yeah. Refreshing the drink. You can have TV straight out of an application. Like you have Roku, you have Apple TV. Sure, you, you don't. You don't need so, yeah, to. Yeah, but but uh, so TV. Uh, yeah, we talked about cell phones, Debbie. Uh, you know, if you're Debbie, if you're if you're watching this right now, I got my Motorola V60 from this phone. Actually, came out in 2001. Uh, beautiful phone. It's got a metal case in the phone. Very nice. One of my favorite design phones ever. I would have gotten rid of the antenna, but it is what it is. I have you met a racer. I did not. I never had a razor. razor. I never. That was like you were a CEO Uh, of a company. Sure, but right before the razor came out, Mm -hmm. similar time was the Motorola V600, which was basically like the future plan of this phone, the Motorola V60, because they had like a Motorola V700 or T700. I don't know, but aesthetically, they just didn't look as badass as this one. Uh, And I think I went to a Samsung at some point. Yeah. But I never had the Motorola razor. It just didn't do anything for me. It was a cool phone. I, I went I, when that came out. I actually went to Samsung because the Samsung produced the smallest cell phone at the time, and I wanted the smallest phone instead of the Razor. And then I've got my uh, uh, my iPhone One here. Uh, it's out of batteries, but uh, it's the iPhone One, which this was two thousand seven. So this came out seven years later than this one did. Um, which is a vast leap in technology, which is just wild. The screen on this phone, you could watch YouTube, you could watch, I mean, you could, you had a visual voicemail interface, which basically blew anybody's mind who was used to the regular voicemail. We have to press the voicemail button, which Mm -hmm. was the one, it was always, yeah, you had to press the voicemail button to call in the voicemail. Um, But remember like on 2007, we had, uh, Steve Jobs, who changed the uh, phone forever. Like, it changed the market phone forever. The cell phone, wherever. Now we have Elon Musk that's going to change the uh, uh, automobile industry forever. 
we're gonna have a new uh, software, a new software every year for the new Teslas or a new version of a car, whatever, for every single year. The same way that now we have uh, a different phone every year. We have an iPhone 10, an iPhone 11, an iPhone 12, eventually every single year. That's what's gonna happen with cars. We're gonna have a new upgrade or update on a, you know, a Tesla Model S, a Tesla Model whatever, 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 in the coming years something that we didn't have before because at some point you're gonna have you're gonna hit a plateau on cell phones and then you're gonna look for something else and that's something else i believe is cars eventually in the next 20 years we're gonna have a new upgrade on bag phone uh debbie yeah. had a bag phone uh we had a car phone given a bag so i know bag phone yeah that's going back like early 90s yeah yeah no, that was that was a, a while impressed back. good job Oh, okay. Yeah, no, the bag phone. Uh, did that have a battery on it, or went right into the right into the port on the car, the cigarette lighter? Both. Both. All right. Well, fair enough. Um, Musk, you may not know, have to legitimately name his kids, but he sure knows about his cars. Um, all right, cigarette lighter. Thank you, Debbie. Um, all right. Well, we're running that. We're running out of topics going backwards. I'm gonna finish my cocktail here. My cocktail, I mean scotch. And the movie industry or the entertainment industry. Think about it on uh, 2000 and what it is right now with CGI. CGI is what five years old. Well, no, no, it's way older than that. CGI stands for computer generated imagery. Yeah, which we had better now compared to what it was. I don't know, ten years ago. Um, so. One thing I want to touch on is celebrity, and the whole idea of celebrity is really disappearing because yeah, because we only knew people who were broadcast on TV. On How is it disappearing? TV. It's worse now than ever. Sure, but here's what you you had met you had considerably fewer people who had a celebrity role, whereas now everybody has their own platform. Yeah, there are TikTokers, there are YouTubers, there are Instagrammers. There are Facebookers that can walk that can walk down a street, and they don't. And there and there's lots more of them. Whereas your traditional celebrity is being a bit eclipsed by the everyman who doesn't quite have to have the talent to to draw that type of audience. Yeah, exactly. So talent or or uh, luck, really. Yeah. If you ask uh, uh, a 15, yeah. 16 year old kid right now, who is their, you know. Uh, Celebrity, they're gonna tell you, oh, it's either Addison Ray or Charlie D'Amelio, whatever. Those are TikTok. I don't know who any of those people are. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you don't know who the, the, those people are, but those are the kind of people that are the most influencing influencer uh, people on TikTok. They have 70, 80 million followers, and those are just kids that are in the age of five till 17, 18, 21, 25. I don't know. But they, most of them, they, they don't know who Jennifer Garner is. They don't know who Jennifer Aniston is. But you, you and I, we know who Jennifer Aniston is, Jennifer Garner. We know all of these people because we saw them doing France. We saw them all, the, all of these things. And on the 2000s, the only way that you can, can become a star was by being broadcasted on television. There was no other outlet. Now we have so many outlets like YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Tinder, Tinder, <laughs> TikTok, and OnlyFans, you know, all of those. Uh, all right. 
So, so Twitch. look, I'm going to, speaking of Twitch, I'm going to pull the switch here. Um, so I look forward to our conversation about the future. I'm going to do my research on that. Yeah. Uh, Which will happen sometime in the, in the future. It will happen. Hey, did I ever show you that picture of me when I was younger? All of them are when you were younger. <laughs> um, so uh, I'm going to call it right now. I appreciate you guys joining us. On our 20-year, our two-decade, uh, that's a score, right? It was a good a score. Good. Yes. 20 years. So one Correct. score and, uh, and a 90 In an hour and a half ago. ago. <laughs> and 96 minutes ago. Uh, appreciate you guys joining podcast number 45. Look forward to seeing you guys 46 for our future topic about our future topic. Uh, James, thank you for joining. Andreas, thank you for joining me for a drink. And uh, I will catch you all later. We will catch you all later. James is going to meet us on podcast number 15, right? If New York relaxes its its quarantine rules, then yeah. Yeah, don't worry. Calm down. All right. Good night and good luck. Laters. All right. It's a wrap. Thank you for joining. If you have not already subscribed, I would greatly 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 appreciate if you subscribe if you share this podcast with your friends that would be cool and as always i would love your feedback your comments your likes let us know what we're doing right let us know what we're doing wrong all the feedback helps all right see you later i like pbr i just got priced out of it